showed him what he needed to know to be saved from God's word. That's the same kid that saw me in Kmart. Now, what would my testimony have been if I'd been looking at some magazines or been in a liquor store or something? What would my testimony to this child have been? You never know who's going to see you where you are. So what we do out there had better reflect what we see and do in here. The people in this community need to know us. They need to see us. If you've studied the life of Paul, you know that people came from all over to hear him preach. You know what? Paul didn't meet in a building like this. And I'll tell you, I see that if our country, and we need to pray for revival in this country, we need to pray that our leadership turns back to Christ. Because if they don't, we won't meet in buildings like this. Probably not in my generation, but in the next generation or the generation after that. The church as we know it today, meeting in buildings with steeples on them, will probably not happen. We'll probably go back to the old way of meeting in homes. Sharon and I had the privilege of going to St. Petersburg, Russia, a number of years ago. And you think communism's dead? Let me tell you, it's not dead. Communism is alive and well, just under disguise in Russia. You know the most vibrant churches we visited? One was in an apartment building. The pastor rolled up his bedroll when services came, and we met in his home. And every... We did Awana in an apartment, and it was one of the noisiest Awana clubs we've ever had, but you could just see their love for these kids. The other church that was really interesting was they had a mortar board, and they stuck it out in front of a movie theater every Sunday morning. Name of the church on it and the time the service started. When the service started, they picked that board up and brought it inside because they don't have freedom to preach the gospel openly in churches that look like a building like this. The Orthodox churches or the open churches, they have people that listen to what the pastor says, and if they disagree with what he says from the pulpit, they arrest him. But the underground church is thriving, and we could go there if we don't see a change in our government. So we need to pray for that. But Paul did meet in a church. He met in homes, rented buildings, wherever people would come, and they would gather to hear him. That should be characterized in every local assembly around. There are some things that we need to do. And Paul's message was pretty clear. We have to have correct doctrine. We have to know what the Word of God says. Because the steeple, and I love it, you can see this one from way off, does not make a church. And Paul said to the young preachers, again, about the foundation. We need leadership in church. Every church needs solid leaders. We were... I, I'm not computer smart, so I'm going to have to get my wife or somebody to help me figure it out, but 
There's a little church. How many of you have been to California? How many of you have been to the beautiful parts of California? Not L.A., San Francisco, San Diego. That's all y'all know of California, right? I could put a church, Forest Ranch Baptist Church. Maybe if we can get that on a thingy, whatever that stick thing is, we can show them tonight. There's actually parts of California that look a lot like West Virginia. And we were camped out at Forest Ranch Baptist Church a few months ago. I can't even tell you when it was because I can't remember. But they have leadership in that church. And you know the first person that shows up on Sunday morning, you know what his job is when it's cold? Anybody want to guess? And it, huh? Start the fire. That's right. They, and it reminds me of this building if it was oriented a little different because their building's in L shape. They have a summer chapel or sanctuary and they have a winter sanctuary because they don't have air conditioning. And you know what their heating source is? In the sanctuary is a wood stove for the winter chapel. And there's a man that comes down every Sunday morning when it's cold and he goes and he pulls a chair up in front of the fire and he starts building this fire in this wood stove. And that's their heat. Somebody's looking on the internet. You can't get it to load. Yeah, well, you're seeing it during the wintertime. Uh, yeah, they, they have a little bit of snow up there too, but uh, we'll bring a picture tonight of Forest Ranch Baptist Church. But they have leadership in that church and one man's job is to heat the church on Sunday morning. You know, y'all got programmable thermostats. Those are cool. They get the place cooled down. Nobody has to come in and turn it on. But someone, you know, I saw something Wednesday night that really was, it impressed me. People pulled out vacuum cleaners and emptied trash and stuff. Somebody's got to clean the church. Somebody's got to mow the grass. Somebody's got to invite their friends to church. Got to get there. Sometimes in today's society, the church does not manifest itself as a body of loving and caring believers who care about the people next door. Mike talked a little bit about the government arrangement in churches and the way we got where we are as a country. And if you, if you know those, the first one was the Episcopal government. Like the Catholic Church, the Pope's in charge. Pope tells you what to do. Um, the Presbyterian is a representative form of government. Mike talked about that in Sunday school this morning. And then the type of church we have is congregational rule. Congregation, we had a meeting... Wednesday night, congregation voted on things, talked about it. Everybody has input. Um, most Baptist churches are congregational rule. There are a few that are not, but for the majority, the Baptists are congregational rule. Um, the people are the ones who make the decision about where we want to go. We can't move forward unless you all know, can help us figure out where we're going. Paul, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. I'm not going to get very, I'm probably not going to get through my introduction. Uh, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the command of God, 
our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. Do me a favor. Go to 1 Corinthians 1. Look at this one real quick before she goes away. See this one up here? Up here? Okay. Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 2. Or 2 Corinthians 2, verse 1. Two one one. Second Corinthians chapter 1. Yeah. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, which with all the saints who are in all Achaia. You see anything different between those two? In 1 Timothy, there's a word difference. And if you go to Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, you go to the letters of Paul. In, in fact, I'll flip over here to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. 2 Corinthians says, by the will of God. But what does 1 Timothy say? By the command of God. Yeah, they're pretty close, but they're not quite the same um, word. But Paul is exercising his authority as an apostle of Jesus Christ and identifying that it's Jesus Christ by the command. You know, how can you tell somebody they're a sinner? Show them the Ten Commandments. But is that all the commands that are there? Oh, absolutely not. I said one of the necessities of a local body is prayer. What's God tell us? He commands us to pray for one another. To diligently pray for one another. To pray without... It's a command. We... See, I'm going to skip some of this or we're not going to... I'll get back to it. Y'all think you're getting off easy today. No, we'll get back. Not, not today, but the will of God and the command of God are the same, yet they're not exactly the same. Um, all the commands which we'll find in the Bible reveal God's word to us. You know, I, I talked about prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 and 18 says, Pray without ceasing and everything give thanks. For this is the will of God. He commands us to pray without ceasing because it's His will that we do that. And Paul is identifying himself that he's commanded here to do this. And, and he's writing to Timothy. And, and, and I've studied more Second Timothy about Timothy and the struggles he went through as a young pastor. And when we look at the early church in Acts, and then we look at Ephesians, and then we look at Paul writing to Timothy, and then we look in Revelation at where the church is at in, in Revelation, the church of Ephesus, we see that Timothy had some struggles. Have you ever been in a church that didn't have any struggles? Anybody? Been in a church that never had a problem? You know... I can, t I can tell you where there's churches that don't have problems. 
They're the ones that the doors are locked and nobody goes into. Because we're all sinners. Saved by grace. Hopefully everybody's saved. Maybe not. But we're bringing our own lives into the church. And when we walk in the church, it's not perfect anymore. Of course, it's not perfect when it's built. But The will of God is much broader than the command of God. But Paul says here that he's coming by the command of God, our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I urge you, verse 3, when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, you may charge or command some that they teach no other doctrine. You know, when we deviate from the truth of this word, and Richard, or Mike alluded to it, Richard Cito's coming back there. My Same thing, Richard Cito was my deacon at, at my last church. He's with the Lord now, but... Mike reminds me so much of him, just the way he, when he teaches. Um, there are so many churches that pluck verses out and say, well, this is what it means, but they don't keep it in the context of the way God intended it to be. We have to teach no other doctrine except the truth that's in this word. And I tell you, if I find stuff in church constitutions that's not biblical, I think it should be taken out. And I think every church needs to review their constitution on a regular basis to make sure that what they believe or say they believe in their constitution is what they really believe. Because sometimes there's little things that we don't even pick up on that are not what it says in God's Word. And it says, Nor give heed to the fables and endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in the faith. You know, I got relatives right here in town. I got, I don't even know all of them because I just don't know all my family. But I can tell you, they don't quite believe the way we do. And we've had discussions on, you know, tongues, being filled with the Holy Spirit, the gift of healings, a lot of different things. You know the thing we agree on? One of my cousins, and she's actually in Ohio. We had dinner with her probably before I got sick. Yeah, before I got sick last year, we were here for some meetings. And we took her out to dinner, and she said, can, you're Baptist, right? And I'm like, yeah. She said, can I ask you a question? And I said, yeah. And she said, do you really preach that you're the only ones going to heaven? And I said, we most certainly do not. And she said, my pastor preaches that all the time, that the Baptists say they're the only ones going to heaven. And I said, that's not true. That's not what we believe. And she said, what do you believe? And I explained to her that we believe that when you confess, your, you believe that you're a sinner, you know that Christ died on the cross and rose again to take the penalty and punishment for our sins, and we ask Him to forgive us of our sins, we can be saved. She says, you really believe that? I said, it's what God's Word says. She said, well, why does my pastor teach that? 
Well, he's not teaching the truth, is he? So, I don't know what she did with that. I'll ask her someday if she ever went and talked to him about it. But people need to know what we believe. Because there are so many misconceptions out there. There are so many things that people hear, that people see, that are not edifying or building up the body. We need to be careful. The glory of the gospel is that God found a way that He might be just and the justifier of him who believes. Acts chapter 13. Verse 38 and 39. Therefore let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins, and by him everyone who believes is justified from all things from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. Do we live under the law? No, we live under grace. That's what God did for us. So we have grace. Do we need to study the law and see what the law said? Yeah. Can we keep the law? Not a chance. What does James 2.10 say? For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. We can't keep the law. God took care of that for us by sending Christ to die on the cross for us. I had a lady confront me one time in my last church. She said, Pastor, why do you always talk about the need for salvation? And I says, because people need to be saved. She said, everybody in this church is saved. I said, how do I know that? I said, I don't know that because I haven't heard everybody's personal testimony. And we were there several years, and we put up a big tent on Easter on our lawn, and we did all of our Easter services outside because we wanted the neighbors to hear us. And I asked one neighbor one time if we were too loud, and he said, well, when you get too loud, I turn my hearing aids down. So we didn't bother him. But one Easter service, that same lady came to me, and she said, Pastor, she said, Lynn wants to know how to be saved. And I said, go tell her. She said, no, you need to go tell her. And I said, she came to you. She didn't come to me. You go tell Lynn how to be saved. Lynn's an eternity. Lynn went on to be with the Lord two years ago. She got saved before she died. But here's a lady, probably in her late 70s or early 80s, who sat next to Judy every Sunday in church. They sat right there side by side when Lynn was well enough to come to church. And for years, Lynn came to that church and never got saved. And I never went back to Judy and said, that's why I do this. We need to know that Christ died on the cross, was buried, and He rose again the third day. We need to know that we need to ask Him to be our Savior. Didn't get far this morning, but that's all right. How are we doing as a church? How are we doing as a body of believers? Do people out there see us as people who love Christ? and care about them. Let's pray. Father, just thank You for this morning. Father, thank You for the opportunity
to open Your Word this morning. and Father, just continue to guide us. Cause us to be a light in the community around us. Father, when we go to our homes that our neighbors might see You shining through us. And Father, just now as we go out into our mission field, which is right outside of these doors, put someone in our path this week who needs to hear the truth of the Gospel. And I just pray this in Your most precious name. Amen.